This is a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and <laughs> recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, Ho, H to the O-V. I used to move snowflakes by the O-Z. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho, fresh out the frying pan. In the- yes, sir, and welcome. Welcome back to episode 33, episode Larry Bird of the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney. I'm back, y'all. Been about a month since I got into this pod game. Um, dropped it off once the NBA season ended, but lo and behold, the NBA season's looking to get kicked off real quick, real soon, so I'm back in the chair, back on the mic, uh, Back to give y'all the news and give y'all my perspectives. I'm really excited. I love talking basketball, obviously. So thank you for for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Very appreciated. Want to let you guys know in on a little bit of new things. If you have seen the link to the podcast, you obviously know that I have set up a new Instagram account that's just for my podcast. I'm moving away from just using my own Instagram, my personal. So at... The Good Look Podcast, all four words together. You will find the link for this and future content for future shows and other things that will be coming up soon. So make sure you go to my Instagram, follow that account, share it once the links go out. For the first couple of weeks, I'll still be double sharing between my accounts and then eventually moving towards just using the Good Look Podcast Instagram account. My Twitter will still be the same, however. So at LPinkney is still the same. Uh, from my Twitter, you'll still see the the links coming out through, uh, through that end. So, really appreciate you guys for following. For the people who followed so far, it's appreciated. Uh, continue to like, rate, share, and subscribe the pod on all the DSPs, and we'll keep going. We'll keep pushing this thing from there. Trying to keep these plays up. Um, trying to keep y'all entertained. Keep y'all informed informed about what's going on in the world of hoop. It's been a lot that has happened in the last month, man. It's been crazy and. It's funny when I dropped this pot off, they were trying there there were some rumors about the NBA maybe starting in December and I totally refuted it. I thought we were going to start February, maybe March just considering when the playoffs ended and how things were shaping up. It looked like they wanted to have fans in the stands as soon as possible, so um, we were going to push for a later date, but as things started to creep up in the coming weeks, people started to realize if we Wait longer, we're going to lose a lot of money. We're actually going to move into the Olympics if they possibly happen. So we don't want to do that because some of our best players like Giannis and Luka, Porzingis, all these guys want to play in the Olympics. So we can't do that. Um, So let's find a way to try to make this work. So NBA PA and the owners struck up a deal. New CBA for the season. The NBA will start on December 22nd. So... In about six weeks, less than six weeks, we're going to have NBA basketball, which is insane considering everything just ended a month ago. So it's going to be the shortest layoff in, in terms of an off season in NBA history. It's only going to be 71 days, I believe, um, which is a nuts number to think about. Usually these guys, it depends. For the guys who, who are on bad teams or get first round exits, they their seasons end in April everything kicks back in 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 late October, November. So you got April, 
May, June, July, August, September. We're talking some people having almost four to five month long golf seasons and other guys who get all the way to the title, like LeBron most years, um, it's looking like a three three month-ish break. So um, people who are Lakers fans, particularly LeBron James, actually said it on a bunch of his social media handles. He doesn't like that the season's starting so soon, but... You got to think there's a, a a large contingent of the league that stopped playing March. They haven't played for almost a year. And some other guys who got to the bubble, they ended early. So there's a lot of teams who haven't played in a while, and that's the majority. So we got to we gotta try to get things kicked up. So that's why they're going to try to get things started soon. The NBA wants to preserve their Christmas date. The Christmas date is something that the NBA holds and cherishes uh, very strongly. So they're not going to give that up. Starting December 22nd and then moving to December 25th, obviously, when the Christmas game starts. So they want to keep that intact. All this happens in a 72-game window. So um, we had to adjust with the bubble uh, return schedule and the bubble playoffs. Now we're adjusting with a 72-game regular season to try to get everything wrapped up and try to get things back to normal. The big, big goal is 2021-22. They want to get back to the normal NBA schedule as quick as possible and hopefully by that season we'll be able to have fans in the stands like normal again um we'll be able to do a lot more things like normal again so that's what the the push is for so sacrificing for unfortunately this these one and a half seasons will hopefully get us to the best point in 21 22 so that's pretty much the basis for it uh the salary cap's going to remain the same, so it's at 109. It was 109 last year. It's going to remain the same this year. Luxury tax number 132. Um, luxury tax, every time you go up a dollar, you have to spend X amount um, extra because you're in the luxury tax. If you stay below the cap or the luxury tax figure, you don't have to pay the extra money. Uh, a lot of teams use that number because owners don't want to pay it. They want to save their money. Uh, but the good teams are the ones that know that they're going to have to account for that luxury tax figure. And, uh, that's why it's, it's good to know when you think about teams like the Warriors who have three really big salaries, you have Steph's 40 million, you have Draymond's 30 million, you got Clay's 35 million, three players making that much money. Obviously they want to know where they stand. That's pretty much their entire cap. So they are the ones that have to maneuver really well with the salary cap, mid-level exceptions, things like that. So. That's where the salary figure is going to be. NBA draft will continue to be on November 18th. So we are less than a week away. And I'm going to get into some interesting players uh, to talk about and think about in the upcoming draft. So um, be ready for that in a, in a later segment of the pod. Um, free agency will begin November 20th. So this thing is moving along quick. As soon as the draft happens, and bam, we are right into free agency. There's already free agent rumors all over the place. Um, trade rumors literally every day something new is happening i'll get into all those in a second and then you can sign players on the 22nd so there's always a three-day moratorium where nba teams can quote unquote talk to players even though they've been talking to players for uh months now but you can talk to players um and try to get things signed early you can come to verbal agreements during this time and then once it's november 22nd it can become official you are an employee of that new team should you decide to choose uh, new teams and sign a contract with them. Uh, on a somber note, rest in peace to Tommy Heinsohn. Tommy Heinsohn was all Celtics, legendary player for them um, in the 60s and 70s, and as a coach as well. 
and um, I mean, he played, he played with Bill Russell. He coached the Celtics to multiple championships, um, and then he was the one of the best color guys you could ever find. Obviously, a homer, but it was for his Celtics, and he was in that city and in that town for decades, decade upon decade upon decade since the fifties. Man, to be associated with one franchise like that is absolutely incredible. So, shout out to Tommy Heinsohn, uh, incredible individual. His voice was all over Boston <laughs> Celtic uh, broadcasts. Um, obviously, like I said, being a homer, the 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 pot the broadcast that the calls that he made that stand out to me are. Um, I remember when Isaiah Thomas hit a, a huge like long ball three, and then Tommy just goes ah for like five seconds, and then there was the one time early two thousands uh, when Ricky Davis was still on the team. Uh, he tried to do a between-the-legs dunk in-game on the break, missed it, grabbed the rebound, and then did a windmill on his second attempt and made it. And Tommy Heinz is like, knock that off, Ricky. Stop with the nonsense. Just make the basket. He literally said that on a broadcast, which is hilarious. But he, he cared that much about the Celtics. And he won as a player, won as a coach. He honestly knew what he was talking about. So shout-out Tommy Heinz uh, rest in peace, sir. Um, a topic that I really like, um, more so looking at than talking about, but I'm going to bring it up, it's the City Jersey. So since Nike switched over to become the official sponsor of NBA jerseys, um, they come out with City Jerseys, and these are supposed to be jerseys that are emblematic of some feature or or key theme of the city of the team that they represent. Um, just side note, I think it's incredibly stupid that Nike switched up and made Home teams wear colors and make road teams wear white. I will always be mad at this. Whenever there's games when they wear home whites, I am ecstatic. I'm elated because that's how it's been forever and that's how it should be. It looks stupid to wear your home white jerseys on the road. So that's just me. You can wear your alternates when it's live national TV games and that's cool. Like the city jerseys that I'm about to talk about, but (sighs) wear white at home. Dark colors on the road. That's how it should be. I hate it, but I digress. City jerseys are popping up. A lot of them are trash. A lot of them are trash, but this happens every season. Think of the Mavericks last year, the graffiti jersey. I understand they wanted to try to do something different, homage to City. It didn't work. Uh, graffiti jersey looked like trash. There's a lot of teams that just... They tried, but it just didn't work out. There's teams that have quote-unquote City jerseys, but they also... Just have like throwback jerseys. Like last year, Memphis Grizzlies, outstanding. Toronto Raptors, outstanding because they're just um, taking advantage of that 90s nostalgia. And those jerseys look incredible. Um, but there are teams who are doing a good job. So, but I mean, Phoenix is still trash. They have like this digital uh, valley thing on the front. It looks garbage. Uh, the Warriors, it ha- they have their old Oakland jerseys and. I didn't like those jerseys back then to begin with, so them bringing it back now, it's it's still ugly to me. Um, but there's teams that I will commend. The Mavericks now. They're bringing back their old jersey from the 90s, which looks okay. It's just simple Ma- Dallas print on the front, um, gold, green, and blue. But their city jersey, that city jersey that's white and gold and gray, if you put gold in a jersey, you will win me over. That jersey looks beautiful. They finally got a jersey that I would want to cop for Luka. 
So that's the one I'm probably going to get later on. Uh, the Hornets came out of nowhere and dropped a bomb on us with the Buzz Cities, all mint with the gold trim and the black. They're the best so far. They're winning right now. Those jerseys go crazy. Magic, they brought the orange last year and it looked weird on gray. But this year, they're doing the white pinstripe orange Orlando ORL with the star. And it looks way better. So shout out to them for switching it up and finding a way to make that orange work. Hawks, they're rolling out just complete new jerseys. And those completely new jerseys look absolutely incredible. Old school feel with the 80s Hawks, Dominique Wilkins. Bring it with a new school flair with the printing. It just looks excellent. They're gonna they have the best new jerseys in the league so far in terms of an entire palette. And they're still doing their black and gold jerseys, this time with MLK on the front. I mean, come on. Gold. Like I said, there's a theme here, right? Um Lakers. Um, they're gonna wear those the old Minneapolis jerseys, the blue ones with the cursive front. Always like those. Those are really nice. They're also going to do a new I think it's their city jersey where it's just white, faint blue, um, and gray accents as well. I actually like that. I think it's really subtle and I think it looks really good. So shout out to the Lakers. And then last but not least, thank God, thank God, the Spurs. They finally did it. I have been calling privately and publicly with my publicly with my friends forever for the Spurs to use those damn colors for those 90 teams. The 90s teams did not use it. They've been boring black and white forever. But they changed their logo in the 90s to include red, teal, and yellow. And guess what? Across the chest of the jersey, they're finally going to have those beautiful colors just swiping across. They look incredible. I want one. I don't know how or I don't know which player I would even get. But I want to find one eventually and get it because they look incredible thank you san antonio for finally waking up goodness and last bit of news before i get into some of the hirings trade free agent news stuff like that our first likely christmas day matchup has now been leaked not a surprise um i am too excited for it it's gonna be great um, but our Christmas Day matchups usually are really great. So this is a rematch of what it was supposed to be two years ago. Um, LeBron James got hurt in the first half of this game, however, and it derailed the rest of the Lakers season. Um, reports are saying that it's going to be Lakers-Warriors as the marquee game for Christmas 2020. Steph, Clay, Draymond, and however this draft is going to shake out with whatever they do with number two, trading it or picking with that player, to go against the reigning defending champion Los Angeles Lakers on Christmas. I mean, you couldn't ask for more in that matchup. You could have maybe Brooklyn play the Lakers, but I think they're going with a more... Um, the Warriors are still the Warriors. Obviously, they don't have Kevin Durant, but in terms of popularity, eyeballs are going to be all over them, and then the Lakers are the Lakers. So they're the NBA is banking on that popularity and their day to try to carry the ratings and I definitely believe and I definitely support it so thank you NBA for doing that Brooklyn can play like the Clippers or something um and then we'll still have a bunch of the, the Pelicans are going to play uh Nuggets will probably be on uh because of the way that they ended their season you'll see the Celtics get on uh they'll be there as well 
Miami's going to catch a date. You might have Boston play Miami, something like that. So um, it's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be fun in general because we love Christmas Day basketball. So I can't wait. And in terms of coaching hires so far, there's been a bunch of news. Uh, the most recent, the Pacers a couple of days ago hired Nate Bjorken. Bjorkgren. Sorry if I messed that up. Uh, don't really know what he's done, but he's going to be their new head coach. Uh, sorry, Nate McMillan. And Mark Dagnall, assistant coach for the Thunder, is being elevated into the head coaching position. He's been with the organization since 2014. Dude's only 35 years old. Um, young coaches typically are uncommon. Um, in the NBA, but it, it truly just depends on your situation. Like Flip Saunders a couple of years ago, he's also the coach of the late, or the son of the late Flip Saunders, but his team was young, and he was only 32 years old at the time. But having a young nucleus and a youth movement with your team, having a younger coach can sometimes make sense. So um, think of Chicago this year. They had old-ass Jim Boylan, old-school old Jim Boylan trying to have people clock in and stuff, and that just never jived with any of the young kids on the team. So OKC, once they move on from Chris Paul, Schroeder, Danilo Gallinari, they're going to be a position where they're going to be moving into their youth movement as well, having a young coach bring them bring them up and lead them. It makes sense, so I'm, I'm not mad at it. And OKC has like 20 first-round picks and like 40 pick swaps the next 10 years. So they are definitely going to be moving forward uh, with a young squad. So shout out to, to the coaches. Um, Doc with the Sixers. T. Lou going to the Clips. Stan Van Gunny, new coach for the New Orleans Pelicans. And Steven Silas, son of uh, famous ball player and coach Paul Silas. Um, LeBron James' first coach, by the way, in the NBA. He is going to be the new coach in Houston. He was an assistant in Dallas for that incredible maverick offense he's now going to have a chance in houston but who knows what the hell's going on in houston which will segue me perfectly into trade draft and free agency rumors um russell westbrook he says he wants out this is hilarious now russell westbrook after having an all-nba appearance being considered one of the 15 best players in the league um having a one of the best stretches of his career literally it's the reason he got on the team now says okay Houston I don't want to be here and the reason why leaked out it's because he wants his floor general position back there's no mention of winning here it's I want to be the floor general again there's a reason oh man there's just a level See, this is why it's hard, man. This is why it's hard to like Russ, because Russ is the ultimate competitor. Dude plays harder than most, like the top 1% of dudes in the league that play hard. He's right there, and you respect the hell out of it. But there's just a certain ignorance and a certain lack of self-awareness with him in terms of the way he plays that shines through and, and stops his teams from being as successful as they can be. The, the, the playoff run this year was tough. Now, you can maybe say he was hurt, but he's flamed out in multiple playoff series when he's had to be one of the main, main guys ever since 2016. So this is kind of just who he is. And for him to not understand that maybe I need to take a step back and find a way to contribute to my team 
in, in, in more and better ways like he did with Houston this year when they did the micro ball lineups and he, he, he became their quote unquote center. He did incredible things. He shot incredibly efficiently. He was moving the ball well as a secondary playmaker. He did great. And there were games where it, you had a question, was he better than James Harden, which didn't make sense. But he was playing some of the best basketball of his career. And now he wants to leave. Now, granted, Daryl Morey has left. It seems like the organization itself is in flux. There were rumors that James Harden wanted to leave, but Shams cut those out really quick, said that James Harden's locked in, doesn't want to leave Houston. If you're Houston, do not trade James Harden. You'd be stupid to do so. Now, I don't really like James Harden that much, but in terms of he's not a winner in terms of winning championships, obviously, but he helps winning. If you have him on your team, it is a plus, not a negative. And he's been to the playoffs every year he's been in Houston. They find ways to win. And in 2018, when the Warriors were at close to their best, Houston took them six games and almost beat them. So James Harden is a big reason for that. So we we got to give him credit sometimes. There's We hate the way he plays, yeah, blah, 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 etc. But he does contribute to winning basketball. So... And if you have a top five player on your team and he's not asking out, you don't trade him. That's just stupid. Um, but Russell Westbrook wanting to leave is absolutely incredible because the Thunder traded away, or the, the Rockets had to trade away two picks and two pick swaps and Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. So now they have no future assets and a disgruntled Russ. And apparently everyone else on the team is disgruntled. Like P.J. Tucker doesn't like his role or his contract. Austin Rivers doesn't like his role. Eric Gordon doesn't like his role. Daniel Housen, like all this news is starting to come out about the Rockets. So I guess it wasn't just Dan Tony. I guess it wasn't just top-down organization type stuff. So I guess everyone was feeling the type of way in Houston. But anyway, if you're Houston, I try. I try to get rid of him. I try to sprinkle that money. It's a $40 million figure to try to get your team to become more than just two guys and you can't you can't build a team you can't maneuver for the future if you have 80 million tied into two guys who know aren't going to get you to the promised land so if you can find a way to take that 40 and turn it into two or three really good players for you um then i mean that's the route that you want to go and you'll be able to move the other pieces up as well because they'll be more expendable you don't have big contracts on the books that's how you can go ahead and create more flexibility for yourself for the now and the future. So if you get a chance, Russell Westbrook's been tied to the Clippers. He's been tied to the Knicks. Um, if you're the Knicks, I don't know why you do it. I don't know why the Knicks suddenly want to have just one of these big-time point guards with $40 million figures. Like, no, just stay on your timeline. Continue to be trash. Look to get good high draft picks and move forward. I don't know why the Knicks keep trying to go backwards. It's stupid. But... I think Russ would, he'd be nice in New York just because he'd be entertaining, but they're not going to win anything. Um, the Clippers would probably have to just give up too much um, just in terms of making salaries work. They could probably do a sign-in trade with Harrell and make it work that way, but um, I don't like Russell Westbrook with Kawhi and Paul George. I'd rather have Chris Paul there, which I'll talk about him in a second, but there's just so much stuff that came just to uh just yesterday about all this stuff so and um, we have a draft in less than a week free agency in less than 10 days 
There is going to be so much happening, so many rumors. I can't wait for it all. Chris Paul. Speaking of him, there have been rumors about Chris Paul for the longest. Um, between him going to Milwaukee or the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, latest rumor is him to the Phoenix Suns. I'll talk about the the ones I just said before and then get into the Phoenix thing. The Bucks he's been tied to for a while because it, it seems like the perfect thing for Giannis to have is someone who can close, someone who can be a ball handler slash creator for the team that doesn't just have to be Giannis. Um, and it seems like the, the pieces would fit to make the trade in terms of giving up Eric Bledsoe and some other stuff to go ahead and make the salaries match. So that makes sense from a basketball perspective. There are rumors that Chris Paul doesn't really want to go to Milwaukee. But there are also rumors that he does. So who can you believe, honestly? Um, the Lakers, because they're the Lakers, which is stupid in the LeBron connection. But they, whoever, I mean, OKC is not going to take your second-round pick in Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green. That's a trash deal. They're moving on. The Clippers, it does make a little bit of sense because Kawhi has actually reached out to Chris Paul and said, hey, please come here. We need someone who can create. We need a, a lead guard for this team. They could find a way to make the salaries work. I don't think they'd want to trade, sign in trade for Montrez Harrell, so that's different than trying to facilitate a Russell Westbrook trade. Um, but there's ways to make the salaries work and not just have to give up Paul George and definitely not give up Kawhi. So it's going to be interesting what they do on that front. Or, um, but I like the fit with the Clippers. If you have those three, that, that gives you a really good shot to try to beat the Lakers. And last but not least... The most recent, we had the Phoenix Suns. Deals have been floating out there that you send Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, and maybe a couple picks or a pick um, to try to make it work. The $40 million figure is still huge, um, but you're getting a really good player to, to pair with Devin Booker, and Devin Booker has been dying to play with a decent point guard for years when you gave him, or a great one, you gave him a decent one in Ricky Rubio, and you saw what he did in the bubble and when he had his opportunity, so... If it doesn't work out in Phoenix soon, he's probably going to be asking for a trade anyway. So you better hurry up and try to suffice Devin Booker and show that you can be a successful franchise or else you're just going to end up losing. He's going to ask for a trade. So um, I like Chris Paul and Phoenix. It's a nice little thing. It's not going to really do much. They're not going to win that much. They might get an 8 or 7 seed, but we're talking about the Western Conference, man. It's it's just too loaded. So I don't I don't see that really doing much. Chris Paul wants his best chance to win. He goes to the Clippers or he goes to the Bucks. He still has two years left on his deal so he can make his money um, this year and next. And maybe in a couple of years he'll try to be hanging on. But it's it's tough because these next two years are going to be the best two years that he's got. So um, if he wants to maximize that and try not to blow up the teams that he's going to, Milwaukee and the Clippers seem like the best fits. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, I saw this headline come up because he was on the Old Man in the Three podcast with J.J. Redick. He said, I've won an NBA championship. I just, I'm I'm ready to get paid now. And I knew that headline was going to be, I knew it was misleading as soon as I read it, but I understand why it's like that because it's there for clicks. People want to see it. Um, but the rest of the quote is like, people know that I'm about winning. Uh, check my resume. You don't have to ask about it. I've been a winner everywhere I've been. 
but I'm 26, I'm in my prime, I'm a free agent, I want to get paid. And as a player who's not the top of the top, but a really solid player in this league, who's looking to get a nice payday, of course he's going to look to try to get the highest contract possible. And he'll measure out the winning in every situation uh, as it on a case-by-case basis. But Fred, do your thing, man. You're right. You are a champion. You, desi- you deserve to get every penny that you get in your next contract. So go ahead and do you, man. Multiple teams are looking to trade for the Hawks' sixth pick, including the Pelicans and the Celtics. It looks like the Celtics are trying to maneuver to get one of the big men, most notably Onyeka Okongwu. He's from USC, 6'9 center, who is pretty versatile on offense and defense. It's not going to be enough to get James Wiseman. He's not going to fall that far. But if they can get Okongwu, I could see why the Celtics want that interest. The Pelicans, they're looking for someone in order to uh, move Drew Holiday, which I'll get into Drew in a, in a second. But the Hawks want to do it because... or. New Orleans wants to do it because they're they're trying to go full youth, uh, full blow up mode. They're trying to rebuild. So if you give Zion another young talent to go with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, you're gonna have a really nice young nucleus moving forward. Figure out who you're gonna pay, who you're gonna move, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, you can see why those teams would want it. Um, and there's so many other rumors. The Nuggets, my Nuggets, say that they want to move into the top ten now. Excuse me. Initially, I don't know why they'd want to move into the top 10, but it makes sense. The more that I think about it, I do see them trying to trade up at some point. I don't know if they'll be able to move into the top 10 just because it seems like the price tag to move into the top 10 is too high. I don't think anyone's going to take the 22nd overall pick in like Monte Morris to move into the top 10, but anywhere in like 10 to 20. And if a player that the Nuggets really like is there, it's a nice young talent to have on a cheap deal that can hopefully help you moving forward in the regular season and hopefully crack your postseason rotation because it doesn't seem like it, but the Nuggets are pretty strapped for money in terms of the salary cap situation. I explained it on a couple pods ago if you want to go back and listen to it, but you're going to start paying Jokic. His ma- Jokic has been p- getting paid his max. Jamal Murray's max kicks in next year. Um, and then you're going to pay Jeremy Grant you do that already, you're getting really close to the cap. And we haven't even talked about when Michael Porter Jr.'s extension is going to kick in. Um, those talks haven't happened yet, but a year from now they're going to start. So now you have this other window where you're trying to figure out how you can pay guys. So now all you have is your mid-level exception. So if you can find someone in the first round to help you and be one of those guys like an, like an OG Ananobi or a... Uh, like a Norman Powell, someone like that. Just went two Raptors, but those are really two good players who went under the radar and played well off of their first contracts. Fred Van Vliet, just the whole Raptors team. Shout out Masai. Um, players like that, when you can get them on cheap deals and and take advantage of, of that, that consistency while they're young before you have to pay them, it just opens up so much in terms of how you can construct your roster. It's like how in the NFL everyone wants to try to get the young quarterback, figure out if he can win right away, and then start paying all the other pieces before they have to pay the young quarterback because they have like five years to do it. Same thing in the NBA. You try to take advantage of those younger, cheaper deals so that 
you can build up the rest of your roster with more expensive guys and hopefully by the time those guys contracts expire that's when you have enough money to pull back and then re-sign your young guy and then try to keep other shit moving forward so i see the logic with the nuggets we'll see what happens um they are also being tied to Drew Holiday, and they've been tied to Drew Holiday for months now. I've heard Drew Holiday to the Nuggets forever. The Nuggets will not trade Michael Porter Jr. They've had, they've been asked multiple times, and multiple reports have come out. He's untouchable for good reason. So, if you're the Nuggets, how do you do it? You have to give up your first round pick, um, maybe another first. Bull Bull has to be included. Gary Harris probably to make the salaries work. And then Monte Morris, maybe. Because Monte Morris is one of the best, if not the best, backup point guard in the league. Him, Dennis Shooter are the guys that I that come to mind really quick. Um, if you could get that kind of deal, three of those five pieces that I just said, I think if you're in New Orleans, you might you might take that. Karis LeVert in, in, in Brooklyn maybe looks like a better deal. Um, if... Miami would come off of Hero or Robinson, then I'd start to think about it too, but I don't think they're going to. And then the Hawks, who want to have some type of veteran presence and a defensive guard to put next to Trey Young so he doesn't get taken advantage of so much on the defensive end. It makes sense for Atlanta as well. So all of them have uh, certain aspects to their deals that could put them over the top. I don't know who New Orleans is going to pick. If they pick my Nuggets, I will be ecstatic because if I can have a starting lineup of Jamal Murray Drew Holiday, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, and Nikola Jokic, I will do backflips. So it just sucks because I'm, the rumors come so much, and I know if it doesn't happen, I'll be really disappointed, but they're also just rumors. So I can't just – I there's no clean way for us to get him without giving up something. That's going to be a little bit tough. Plus he's 30, and he only has one year left on his deal. He's got a player option. Um so he might try to cash out for one more big deal, like for four years, $90 million, something like that. So I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but whoever gets Drew Holiday, he's one of those pieces because Bradley Beal's not getting traded, y'all. I'm telling you right now, he's just way too valuable to the Wizards. They want to see what he looks like with John Wall again. They're trying to move forward in the East. Drew Holiday is just one of those few pieces who's an impactful player who's still in his prime. He's 30 one of the best perimeter defenders in the league and who can hold his own against a, a lot of people offensively. He's one of those pieces that if you put it on a contending team, say a Milwaukee, a Denver, uh, a Miami, he put him on one of those teams. He's one of those guys who can take you an extra tick up and put you eye to eye with some of the best teams in the league, like the Milwaukee's, the Lakers, the Clippers, those teams like that. So it's a big deal. <laughs> and I am ready to find out where he goes. I will keep my fingers crossed for my nuggets, but we will see. And a little bit of draft maneuvering before I get into some of the guys to look out for in the NBA draft. The Bulls, Knicks, and Pistons are all looking at possibly moving up to the number two pick now. Obviously, the number two pick is held by the Warriors. The Warriors have been tied to James Wiseman pretty much from the jump. I think James Wiseman works great for Golden State. I feel like he's able to just fit perfectly into that role without having to do too much. He can still develop slowly. All he has to do is a couple different jobs with them and let his teammates guide him the rest of the way. And It gives the Warriors a presence that 
has been there and hasn't been there for their title runs. They've always had an athletic center who can catch lobs and make secondary passes. Um, but they haven't had a guy like Wiseman who can be such a, a dominant figure and, and show competency on both ends of the floor other than maybe Bogut in 16 when he was still um, healthy enough to be a force. As he aged out, it was tougher. Then they started using like JaVale McGee and Kevon Looney who were okay on one side of the ball, but not both. But they had Kevin Durant, so it didn't really matter who was at the center position. Now it does, and now you have teams in the West who are going to be gunning for the Lakers, and obviously you need to have somebody who can guard Anthony Davis. Now, no one can guard Anthony Davis, but if you can have someone who's of like size, who can move a little bit and just make things a little harder on him, um, that's the biggest thing that the Warriors can have because they won't be able to put Draymond on Anthony Davis consistently the entire game and expect him to just lock him down. So I think it works well if he goes to Golden State, um, but moving the pick too makes sense. And if you think about scenarios with the Bulls, if I'm the Warriors, I want to try to get Wendell Carter Jr. I don't think they would trade him, but if they do um, feel like they can make a trade with the Bulls, look for some of those ancillary pieces to try to get, um, even though the Bulls don't really have that much other than marketing and Carter that you really want. You don't want Zach Levine. You don't want Kobe White. You want guys who contribute right away. The Knicks, if you want a power forward, you can definitely trade with them. Um, and the Pistons... It's tough. You can maybe get Luke Kennard, Sekou Demboya, but I don't think they want to trade him. Um, Christian Wood is a free agent, so that's one of the guys you'd actually want to get, but you can't maybe work a sign and trade. But um, it's it's going to be weird. It's it's going to be tough. Uh, I think the Warriors are just going to end up keeping the pick and, and taking Wiseman, um, unless like maybe Charlotte really likes him and trades up to one. But now the reports are that LaMelo's going number one. But this is what happens during draft season. All the noise, all the numbers, all the fake news, all this, that, and the third, the smoke screens, all that stuff gets thrown out there just because people want to get feels of how people think in the media. People want to get those ideas out to the public um, to try to stir certain things. So things are said for a reason, and some things are just true. So it's hard to parse it sometimes, but... Um, things like Russell Westbrook wanting out of Houston, that's not really hard to parse, right? That makes sense. Drew Holiday, him being tagged to certain teams for trade rumors, that makes sense. So draft rumors are definitely always going to happen. So, um, it has to happen because guys are just trying to be strategic. Less than a week away. Can't wait for it. All right, y'all. And I want to go ahead and I was... Uh, I was I, I want to go ahead and look into some interesting guys for the NBA draft. So um, months back, I was doing a player per episode to kind of try to just keep people um, aware of what, what was going to go on. I did LaMelo, Obi Toppin. I did uh, Killian Hayes. I did um, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, mostly the top guys. So if you want to listen back to some of my older pods, um, it's in the description about which players I talk about. So I want to go ahead and talk about some other guys who have gotten certain shine, haven't gotten certain shine, and where I see them falling and where I've seen them go in a lot of different mock drafts, which is funny depending on what you look at, seeing how certain um, execs and certain um, draft analysts value these players. So 
I'm going to start with the ties first. You've got Tyrell Terry and Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrell Terry, 6'2 point guard out of Stanford. Um, and then Tyrese Halliburton, he's a 6'5 point guard out of Iowa State. Tyrell Terry, 6'2, great range, um, lights out shooter. He can finish around the rim. He's a solid point guard. His knocks are he's he's like a stick. Dude is only 160 pounds. So um, the build is something that's a concern because defensively that's just a guy who's going to get picked on a lot. But he does show good effort on that end. Um, if you look at mock drafts all over the internet, it's funny. Things on the ringer have him at like the top 10. A lot of other drafts have him back into the first round into the second round so there's just a wide range of of opinions on this guy and that's something i want to just bring up and before i get into the other guys as well this draft is being like poo-pooed on because there's no zion there's no anthony davis there's no like jason tatum there's no lockdown carl anthony towns number one pick um, but this is going to be a good draft where I think maybe seven or eight players are going to come out of it in four or five years. We're going to be like, man, there's a, really, there's a lot of good role players in this draft, and there's going to be at least two or three second rounders that hit. And one of these guys that gets picked late is going to be a star. It happens every year. It doesn't matter what draft it is. People miss something, and that person either gets into the correct system and develops perfectly with the coaching staff, or um, a great player can be put into a terrible situation and they just don't develop the way that you think they would, uh, a la Philadelphia getting Markel and his, his shot falling apart. So um, think Giannis and Kawhi, 15th overall picks. You got Paul George, who was picked 10th. Um, there's so many. Uh, Boogie was picked 5th. There's... Um, there's just so many guys who end up getting picked late. Jimmy Butler was in the 20s. So um, it happens all the time. It's going to happen in this draft too. But I think more than most, this is going to be a really nice role player draft. So just keep that in mind when you're picking these guys. You're not picking to have stars. You're picking to have guys who you think can project to be really solid players, six, seven, eighth men on your team, sometimes even good starters on your teams uh, to try to help your team become a winning t uh, program. So Tyrese Halliburton. Really good point guard out of Iowa State. Shout out um, my guy Monte Morris. Iowa State puts out really solid point guard. Shout out Jamal Tinsley. Um, really crafty. If you watch his game, he's not slow like Kyle Anderson, but he's not a burner either. Um, but dude is mad creative with the ball. He can make all the passes. Um, that's a guy who you'd want to lead your second unit. Or if you're a young team, that's a guy you want to lead your squad because he will always make the right play. He's not a burner, um, and his shot is a little funky. It's almost like a set shot. He kind of like sits his hand under the ball heavily and then pushes, um, but it goes in. So it's not like something where it's broken and it doesn't go in. It just looks weird, but as long as it's going in, it doesn't really matter. He's going to be a really nice player. He's going to be a really good role player for somebody, so shout look out for Tyrese Halliburton to go in the top 10. Devin Vassell, his projection has been anywhere I've seen from 7 to 20. So, and that's the other thing. If you look at these mock drafts, these guys are going to be all over the place because there's no consensus on these opinions um, because we've only seen guys play five, six overseas, overseas games. We've only seen guys play 10 to 15 regular season games in college 
from the most recent season other than looking at their past data. So Devin Vassell is a player who's out of Florida State. Um, he tweaked his jumper in the offseason, which is concerning. It looks like he pulls the back, the, the basketball back farther behind his head, which is not a good thing. But if you look at his tape and what he's done the last couple of seasons, he projects well as a solid 3 and D player. Kid shot 41% from three last year. He's about 6'7", um, long arms, rangy, can be a good player on both sides of the ball. That's the type of player that you want in terms of, hey, I'm going to build out my, my offense. If I have Kawhi Leonard and another guy maybe um, running the playmaking abilities, if I have him on the side, he'll be able to knock down shots and defend on the other end. One of the most intriguing uh, prospects, his name is Alexei uh, Pokusevsky. Um, he is interesting because he's seven feet, but he only weighs 200 pounds. So he is a wisp but he's smooth as hell man pop on some tape of this kid he doesn't look like he's seven feet tall by the way that he moves he moves like a guard forward it's it's pretty crazy so he is before people try to like down him because he's really small people were downing poor zingas when he was seven foot three and 220 pounds when he was coming out before that he was like 210 in the draft that he was supposed to come out in in 2014 so and this kid's young. He's only 18. So if you can get him to 210, 220, if he can't gain 10 or 20 pounds by the time he's 25, 26, then, I mean, you can't do nothing about it. But you would assume that that kid get him into a weight program. He'll gain 10 to 20 pounds once he gets into the league. And at that point, you have a guy who's smooth, who can make real nice plays offensively. And he's good with body position. He was able to block about one and a half shots a game um, last season. So... He's not going to be ready right away. you got to get him in a program, and you got to get him with a coaching staff that truly believes that if they develop him right, you're going to get a solid player. He is the ultimate. I don't even think he's ultimate boom or bust, but I think he's ultimate boom, like out of nowhere. Oh, snap. Why didn't we pick this guy sooner? And I think as long as he develops like a normal basketball player, weight room, stuff like that, he'll be fine. Um, but you're going to have to be patient. But look out for this kid, Pokusevsky, Pokusevsky. Patrick Williams, Isaac Okoro. I put these two together because they are almost the same guy. Um, Isaac Okoro is the best defender in the draft. He is 6'6", 6'9", wingspan. Dude is a terror defensively. He's an athletic beast. He can stay in front of guys, contest at the rim, puts ball pressure on the ball handler. Great defensively. Patrick Williams... Big time athlete as well. 6'8, 225, um, explosive getting to the basket and explosive defending the rim and guarding on the ball. These guys are both excellent defenders and great athletes. I put them together because both of their jumpers are broken. Isaac Okoro can't shoot. He shot 29 or 26, he shot 26% from three, and Patrick Williams shot 29%. Patrick Williams shot is a little, it's more stiff, so. There's not much give to it. Isaac Okoro just doesn't really shoot. So in the NBA, when you're looking for guys who can play solid defense, you need those guys who can also knock down shots. Unless you're Lou Dort and your defense is literally as good as some guy's offense, you have to be able to give something on the offensive end. They're going to love both players for their effort in defense. I think... Um, <sighs> 
Okoro shows a little bit more in terms of his playmaking. He can pass a little bit more. Uh, Pat Williams, he hasn't shown a lot because he also came off the bench, but he hasn't shown a lot of playmaking ability. Um, but I'm t- <laughs> if either of these guys develop a shot, they will be the ones from this draft will be saying, damn, why didn't they get picked number one? Because athletically, these guys are NBA athletes. 6'6 six, six, and 6'8 six, in the 200s. These guys are NBA-level athletes. Their jump shots will determine how far they will go. And the next two guys that I put together who also show great potential on the opposite end of the spectrum is Isaiah Joe, 6'5 guard from Arkansas, and then Aaron Neesmith, 6'6 guard from Vanderbilt. Both of these dudes got flamethrowers. They launched the ball from anywhere. It's crazy. Isaiah Joe was a 41% shooter his freshman year. He dropped down to 34%, but that's because his offense and his coaching staff asked him to shoot the ball 10 times per game from three. So he would sometimes just take some bad shots, and the shot selection was questionable, but he also was asked to do more from his team. And to take 10 threes a game and still shoot around 34% when you were shooting 41% the previous season, that shows that you're a knockdown shooter. Both, he's got a smooth jumper, not the most explosive athlete, but he's good off the ball, and he's got good he's got good instincts off the ball, both offensively and defensively. Um, I like his game. I both of these players I wish they would be on the Nuggets, honestly, because we need shooting. Um, but uh, Aaron Neesmith, six six guard out of Vanderbilt. I've seen drafts where he goes either ten. And I've seen drafts where he's go twenty. He goes twenty five. So he's got a large range too. But six six, he has unlimited range, and he has the numbers to back it up. He shot fifty one percent from three on eight attempts per game. Fifty one percent, eight attempts per game. That's better than Steph. That's better than anyone in the league. Now, obviously, he will not keep up that pace. But to be six six with a trigger like that, I want that guy on my team. Now he's not. A great defender and he doesn't have the most explosive finishing ability but when we're talking about this draft what I told you guys initially we're talking about great role players here and role players give you two or three really good things if we look at someone who really helped out the, let's look at a couple of players on the Lakers this year look at um, KCP after everyone bullied him but he's a solid player both offensively and you can guard the ball Alex Caruso, not the best shooter, but he's a solid, intelligent playmaker, and he plays really good perimeter defense. Those are two or three things that those guys do well. They're not going to be asked to be the primary playmakers, primary shot creators, primary shooters, but they're going to be asked to do two or three certain things. That's what Neesmith and Joe can do. They both have one really good thing they can do already, and that's shoot the basketball. All they have to do is try to develop one or two other things to help them stick in the league, become a better defender, become a better finisher at the rim, increase their playmaking ability. They do that, they'll be able to stick around in the league more. And I think those two guys have the potential to do that. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll say the names of everyone I said again. Tyrell Terry, Tyrese Halliburton, Devin Vassell, Alexei Pokusevsky, Patrick Williams, Isaac Okoro, Isaiah Joe, Aaron Neesmith. Just pop on some... Don't, it won't even take long. Take 30 minutes. You can watch a little bit of, of highlight tape from these guys. They're scouting video, videos all over YouTube. 
check him out. You'll be able to see what I'm talking about in terms of the potential that these players show. And I'm excited to see where everyone falls in the draft because there's certain the NBA is the we we talk about having a level playing field a lot. We don't ever really. But this is as close as it's been in a while. So if any of these rookies, two, three, four of them, can pop on contending teams, it's going to be huge for those teams going forward. So I'm excited to see what happens in the NBA draft. I'm excited to talk to you guys about it um, once it all happens next week because today is the um, today's the 12th. So yeah, the draft would have happened and we'll be able to talk about it next week. So I'm excited to see how that goes. All right, guys, appreciate you again for listening to the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Pinckney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinckney. Make sure you hit my Instagram at the Good Look Podcast. Um, check out my Twitter at L. Pinckney for the links. I'll keep putting out this contact for you guys. NBA season less than six months or six weeks away. Can't wait till that goes. Can't wait till the draft happens and free agency starts. Give you some more primers on that. And we'll just keep this thing pushing, y'all. Really appreciate it. Keep it locked on these Thursdays, and we'll keep it pushing. Appreciate your time. Have a good one.